You're listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 22nd of February 2024. On Market Day, we will speak with Evan Lucas for the wrap of the day in the markets. But first to Qantas which is promising a suite of upgrades to improve customer service like free Wi-Fi on international flights, new fuel-efficient planes and lower prices, but will it improve its reputation? It comes as the airline posted a 13% fall in half-year profit to $869 million. For more, Rainer Bosch spoke with Sirium aviation expert Ellis Taylor. I mean, this uh, fall in profits, they've signalled that the market is starting to soften, that fares are coming back, uh, and really, I guess, their margins are starting to be a little bit squeezed. And that's kind of expected. I mean, Qantas has had a very good run uh, with fares, with margins for, for quite some time. And so always it was going to, to soften back, particularly on the international front when there's uh, more competitors coming back into the market. We've seen uh, some of the Chinese airlines come back to the East Coast. We've seen Singapore Airlines adding more capacity to Australia. Uh, And naturally, sort of, that means that things are starting to come in. It's probably also a signal on the domestic front that the cost of living crisis is really starting to hit and people are deprioritizing travel. They've still said that leisure travel is still quite strong. Business travel is still not quite uh, where it was pre-pandemic. But overall, I mean, this is still a very good result, uh, albeit slightly down from what were very big highs previously. Now, Qantas has blamed cheap fares, obviously, and inflationary costs at airports in relation to security and a few other things for this drop. Is that fair to say? In some ways, it probably is, but I wouldn't say that inflationary pressures are necessarily the big cost items that have come in. Uh, Remember, this is an airline where they've got um, thousands of employees and a lot of those employee costs, which you think would be where inflation would uh, really crop up, um, haven't really affected yet. They're still negotiating uh, new enterprise agreements in some cases, or they've got ones that are locked in. Um, so other costs certainly arising, um, but generally what we see is airlines like Qantas will take a lot of measures to offset that cost by seeking out cost savings somewhere else. So uh, it, we're all feeling the, the cost of living increase, um, but I, I don't think that that's been a primary driver in this case. Now, capacity is also returning to the airline. I think I read it's about 90% of what it was pre-COVID. You mentioned competition also returning there. What does this all mean in terms of the impact on the customer? The good news is that the more competition that there is in the market and the more airlines coming into Australia uh, means that there's going to be more seats and that should bring the fares down. We've started to see that in these results here, that the fares are coming down. Uh, the upside of that is that uh, you know more competition, more variety of products that we've got. Uh, I mean, some people can choose to go with low-cost carriers. Some people choose to go with overseas carriers that offer something different to Qantas. So net-net, that's a good thing. And competition's always healthy for things like improving on-time performance, um, particularly on the domestic front. So, you know, a, a good competitive market there is something that helps everybody, it seems. Now, it's no secret that Qantas's reputation has been hit uh, over recent years for a number of reasons. They're now looking to improve the customer experience in order to rebuild some of that trust and, and I guess, put Qantas back on the map as the top brand for people to be travelling on. They're offering upgrades like high-speed Wi-Fi, um, improvements to their planes. I guess the underlying question is, will it work? This is something where um, Qantas is trying to you know bring out the, the best um, to you know offset the 
damage that's been done to their reputation and their brand and so forth. Um, there are a number of things like Wi-Fi where most airlines around the world are really adopting that. Uh, in some ways, Qantas is lagging a little bit, um, but then so are other airlines in our region. So they're not necessarily behind their competitive set uh, in doing that. Um, certainly, those investments, new aircraft that are coming down the line, which are more fuel efficient, um, are also another big uh, big win for the carrier. Uh, it means it's going to bring down air costs and so on. And it should be you know, a nice new fresh product for a lot of travellers who are used to uh, being in planes, which some of them are, are getting quite old. Uh, and some of them are starting to be pensioned off now. So, you know, it really should bring the next generation of passenger experience, if you like, uh, into Qantas, which will be a, a good thing. And ultimately, I think there's a lot of rebuilding that is going to go on. This is going to be an effort um, over the next couple of years to sort of, again, justify why people should pay more when they're flying on the Qantas brand, uh, apart from, you know, the perception that they're just flying in a, an Australian carrier. Really, they're trying to make sure that uh, they're keeping themselves towards that premium end of things, given that they tend to charge more than other carriers in the market. That is Ellis Taylor from Serum Speaking with Rainer Bosch. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. Profit reporting season continued on the Australian share market today, which was little moved by the close. The S&P ASX 200 only rose 0.04%, 7,611. For more on the day's market action, including that Qantas result, I spoke with market analyst Evan Lucas. Evan, let's start with Qantas. Uh, A fall in half-year profit to $869 million. What's your take on the airline as it looks to turn around the brand perception because it's spending big on service and returning cash to shareholders in the form of a buyback? Yeah, I think also you need to put into a caveat there with although it's a fall in the overall profit, it's still not far off their record all-time result they delivered last time. And this is in their top three best profits they have. When you look at the cash profit of $1.29 billion, it's a good result for Vanessa Hudson to get to deliver first up because it shows that they are going to actually start using some of that money to end up back in the company, putting more services back in, putting uh, more emphasis, her words, loud and clear return to the customer rather than just to the shareholder. So, you know, some small tweaks, Wi-Fi on international flights, small tweaks to their loyalty program, which is surprising, went backwards. It's not often you see the loyalty program go backwards, and that was below consensus too. So tweaks to their international sort of numbers there. But again, she's got and is about to lay out the strategic direction of Qantas going forward. She knows she has to build the brand back. She's obviously using the spending she's got to go back to additional flights and additional eight flights have been announced today. It won't be the last. So today was sort of like her ground floor to then build on from where she goes forward. So there wasn't anything you'd go, this was shoot the lights out, this was amazing. They've announced this new program. She's basically said, this is where we're at and this is where we're going to go. Before we talk about other local companies, um, in the US, the AI tech darling NVIDIA beat profit expectations. That's an understatement. What's What's this saying about the opportunities in the tech and AI space? Yeah, and it was insane, right? So the result that they delivered was insane. And I use that word deliberately because the lead up, the 48 hours leading up to that result, the market actually got really scared that they were going to deliver an incredible result, but maybe not to the price point that they had got to. And then to deliver an insane growth number, 258% growth on sales is just showing you that 
what has been referred to in the States as the third wave. And by what they mean by the third wave, computers were the first wave, internet being the second. The third wave is AI, that we are at the very start of it. And NVIDIA's thing is that they are absolutely knee-deep, head-to-toe in the revolution and the third wave that will be AI. The chips that they're producing are higher quality than expected. Their ability to develop and also deliver above quantity expectations puts them in that spotlight. And that is why they are an incredibly exciting company. It is why they are now in the top seven you know, market darlings in the States. The other thing about them, they're not a startup. NVIDIA has been around forever in terms of this, you know, the tech space. We're talking 30 years. So you also, the reason the market's so confident with them is that they don't, they're not just a five-year-old company or a three or four-year-old company. They have all of that backing behind them as well, all of that time, all of that understanding and the development technology they already had. So that's why the result was astounding, why the market jumped on it after market and why it is just the start of the wave that will be AI and NVIDIA being part of it. Locally, profit numbers also out from the major iron ore miners. Fortescue today, Rio Tinto late yesterday. What do you make of them? And what are they saying about the nation's biggest trading partner, China? So Fortescue is the one you got to highlight straight away because it beat consensus by, in the mining space, a significant margin of 5%. You've got to remember Fortescue, BHP and Rio, they are followed so closely by the analytical world that you know, in line is what you would expect, right? There was never a surprise. So to beat market by 5%, that is a surprise to the upside. The fact that they put a better than expected dividend, earnings were better than expected, net profit was better than expected, operating costs were lower than expected. That's why the market today was just like, wow, that's that's incredibly impressive. They're also showing, don't forget, that FMG, their largest trading partner is China, right? It hasn't really changed, although they're starting to change their mix. Their main export, 96% of it, goes to China. So we know it's slowing. We know that China's got its troubles, but they are showing that the delivery is still required, that the demand is still at a level that Fortescue can deliver this incredible result. To some extent, Rio told you something similar as well. I mean, they are on track to produce a record level of output. So they're going to beat their 335 megatons that they delivered in 2018. They're at 318. The result last night confirmed they're going to get past that. Plus, they put in their outlook that they're going to deliver something similar into 2024 and 5. So that shows you, again, the question about China, the demand is still there, despite all of what's coming out from other data around steel, around the issues around you know, roads to nowhere, the property market slowing down, that the demand for iron ore from China is still absolutely booming. And, and you know prices are still in three figures. We're talking about an iron ore price of 227-ish US dollars an ounce. And that is also incredible considering that output. Um, there's also a bit of M&A activity going about with building group company CSR telling shareholders to take no action on this $4.3 billion bid from a French company. But there are also bids for Adbri and Borrell. What's going on here? So this is the consolidation and the you know, reimagination of the construction industry, right? So we know that the pressure around margins since the COVID era has been massive. Supply disruptions have thrown those companies that had, you know, productivity and underlying structural issues into the front line and have made them cheap. Borel's a great example, right? It has an incredible suite of products, but it had structural issues. Seven groups saw that and they are incredibly savvy. Ryan Stokes and co are incredibly savvy and they have 
shown that once they've taken almost full control, so 71% of it, that it's now the second biggest producer in their books behind Westrax. So the full takeover of Borrell by Seven Group makes complete sense. It also shows that under different leadership and under different management, they can do better things. I'd argue Adbri is a bit similar, right? There are scenarios inside Adbri itself that, you know, haven't delivered. It hasn't got the kind of return it should. And, you know, the ownership group that there's now going to have with, with CHR and the Borg family, they're basically already controlling uh, stake entities anyway and think they can change it. So this, from my perspective, is the construction industry showing signs that it needs to consolidate, and that's what's happening. James Harvey, Hardy as well. They have been the market leader, but at the moment they're falling behind and they're starting to get into trouble in North America, and they therefore have been showing that Borrell's catching them. So the inside the, the seven group, the Borrell brand is catching up because of different thinking. So it's not a bad thing to keep consolidation here. CSR, if it does move off, it's probably not surprising. It has also been struggling for many years to really get a foot up. This will make them into a global player in, in fibrous cement and also in jip rocking if this happens the way it looks like it's going to. Okay, final question. Given, every, given everything we've spoken about today and where we are in profit reporting season, what does this say about the Australian share market at the moment and the opportunities for investors? Surprisingly, despite all the cost of living, despite the fact that the economy is slowing down, results season has surprised. And that is not something that normally happens in Australia. We normally actually underwhelm. So we've actually seen on the sales and on the earnings line, it beating the consensus numbers by about 52% and 45% respectively. Normally, it's below 50% for sales and it's below 35% for revenue. So it's surprise and it is surprising to the upside. It's also showing how robust and how resilient it can be in scenarios that we currently find ourselves in. Doesn't mean it's going to be long-term sustainable, but we've managed to be in a better position than probably was forecasted. And that may justify us being near record all-time highs. I mean, we are, what, 50 points away from the 7,702 points of the record that was only a couple of weeks back. The question becomes in March, once dividends go out and once the market looks forward to what the rest of the calendar year looks like, does that bring it down? And traditionally, if you look historically, March through probably to June is a pretty soft period. And that may be what's probably gearing up to happen right now as well. Evan Lucas there, market analyst. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Yeah.